The first reading is from Exodus 14, verses 1 to 31, and can be found on page 71 of the Church Bibles. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi Haharioth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with them. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Haharioth, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and the horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. 
During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. And this may be found in your church Bible on nine, page 970, 970. So Matthew 5, Verse 43, this is Jesus speaking in his Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before I start, ooh, loud, um, let's just pray. God, our Father, please would you speak to us this morning through your word that we might come to know you better. Amen. Well, good morning. I thought I'd start by introducing myself because I'm really aware that some of you will feel like you know me really well and others of you will be like, has this woman stepped in this building before? Well, I'm Rachel and I'm married to Rob. We've been coming to St. Jude's now for about 18 months. Um, we lived in Greater London before that. 18 months ago, we moved this way. We moved in with my parents in Emsworth. And for about the last five months, we've finally been living in South Sea. And we love it. We love being by the sea. Um, I'm part of a great life group. Um, and me and Rob do some stuff with the students. And I also help a bit with Hope Into Action. Um, but this is my first time 
preaching at the 10.30 service. And what a passage to preach on. Before we delve into chapter 14, why don't we have a quick recap? Because if you're anything like me, you'll have forgotten what's gone before. So first we have the Israelites. They were fruitful and they multiplied greatly and became exceeding in numbers. And this scared the Egyptians. And so the Egyptians began to oppress them. Then we had Moses, who was born at that time where they were killing any male Hebrew boys. And he was put into the river by his mother and rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter. Moses grows up. He has that argument with one of the um, Egyptian um, people and kills them and flees to Midian, where God speaks to him from the burning bush and sends him back to Egypt to rescue his people. So he returns and approaches Pharaoh with his brother Aaron. But Pharaoh ignorantly asks, who is the Lord? Moses is given signs from God where his staff turns into a snake and other things to show Pharaoh who the Lord is. But Pharaoh's heart is hard. And despite the ten plagues, he he doesn't change his mind and he will not let the Israelites go. That is until that tenth plague where we heard about the Passover and the deaths of the firstborn. And at the very end of last week's passage, It says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested. So then here we come to chapter 14. And at this point, it's probably looking all right for the Israelites. They've been freed at last. Hundreds of years of slavery, and finally, they're going. And they're going fast. They're getting out of there as soon as they can before Pharaoh can change his mind. And Moses, at God's command, is leading them. And so in verse 2, we read that they turn back and they camp in front of pi hath Now, humanly speaking, this, from my research, is a terrible move. It is not where you would want to be camping if you could choose. But God has a plan. Now, when Pharaoh sees where they're camping, he thinks, I think they're confused, and I, th- I think maybe, maybe I've made a mistake. And, may- and maybe if we go now, maybe we, we could catch them and we-, we could get them back again. And so Pharaoh and his army pursue the Israelites. If the Israelites thought it was all over, they were wrong. Pharaoh wasn't finished, and neither was God. In verse 10, we read that the Israelites look back to see the Egyptians advancing on them. I wonder what that moment was like when that first person turns around and suddenly they see this whole great army charging towards them. You can imagine the horror as it ripples through the camp and everyone finds out. 
They thought they were already free, and now, now they're not. And not only that, but because of where they're camped, they are stuck between an army and the sea. They have got nowhere to go. And in great fear, we read in verse 10, the Israelites cried out to God. Sometimes I think we can give the Israelites a bit of a hard time. I think I'd be pretty scared too if behind me was an army and in front was the sea and there was nowhere else to go. They cry out, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? It's almost comical because, of course, we know that Egypt was known for graves. The pyramids, they were, they were experts in graves. There were plenty of graves left for them. And yet, their fear is that it's all been a complete waste of time. I wonder if you've ever felt a bit like that. God, why have you brought me so far just for it to all go wrong now? That was me. That was me on Thursday. Thursday night, got home. Total mess. I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I've had some problems with my eyes, and I've really trusted God on the matter, and he's done some really great things. I've had brilliant healthcare since we've moved here, and it's been amazing. And I was going to an appointment a couple of weeks ago where I was due to be told, everything's okay. And of course, it didn't happen like that. That's not what I was told. I was told I'd need more laser treatment on my eyes. And, and I know that God is good, but for a moment there, I was like, God, what are you doing? I really, I thought you were in this. And you've brought me so far, but now it all just seems to be going wrong again. I wonder if you can relate to that. Yes, God has guided them until now, but they're stuck between an army and the sea, and it looks and it feels pretty hopeless. Moses responds and tells them not to be afraid, to stand firm and to be still and see the deliverance of the Lord. And so we come to it, the part we've all been waiting for, the parting of the sea. And God tells Moses what to do. And so we read in verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. I'm not sure that even if the Israelites were confident that God would do something, that that's quite what they would have been imagining. For us, the story of the parting of the Red Sea we know that story, it's really well known, but for them standing there, I doubt that's what they were expecting to happen next. 
Now, of course, skeptics say and try to disprove this with many claims. They talk about the fact that it would probably have been a natural phenomenon with high winds and low tide. That actually, maybe it wasn't the Red Sea. They're not quite sure exactly where it was. And, and there was another sea called the Reed Sea, where actually it would have been marshy and much easier to cross. But the Bible is unambiguous. The parting of the Red Sea was a supernatural act of God. It is a miracle. The timing, Moses commands, and straight away it happens. I hadn't thought of this, but in verse 22, I was talking to a friend, it talks about the fact that they, they stand on dry ground. Now, of course, when, when water moves, the ground underneath it isn't dry. I had an experience of that quite early on after we'd moved. We had some friends to come and stay um, in Emsworth, and we took them on a walk by the estuary. Now, when the estuary goes out, it doesn't look like the sea. It looks like a field, a muddy field. And I daftly thought that I could cut a bit of it because the sea wasn't there. And I soon found, and the couple of friends who followed me, um, that I'm, I'm now in the mud. And if I go much further, I'm either losing my shoes or I'm stuck. Because just because the water isn't there doesn't make it firm. But here, God makes dry ground, firm ground, for the Israelites to cross. And then in case there were any more doubts, the Bible says that there were waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. There's no getting around that. They were walls of water. It was a miracle. Not the first miracle the Israelites had encountered, and as we'll hear, not the last. But why does this matter for us? In week one of this series, Neil said, this is our story, because this is our God. The God who performed miracles there is our God. That makes our God a God of miracles. And the God of miracles in this passage rescues his people and he sets them completely free. And God didn't stop with setting the Israelites free. He sent his son Jesus to earth to die on a cross before being raised to new life that he might go on rescuing and freeing his people. That is our God who wants to rescue us and to set us free. So I just want to encourage you that if you are a part of God's family, if you want to be a part of God's family, then God welcomes you and you have been rescued and you have been set free by the blood of Jesus. But maybe right now, life feels harder and not better. Maybe you don't feel like you're on the other side of the sea yet. Maybe you feel like you're stuck between an army and the sea. 
I want to encourage you that our God is a God of miracles and a God of freedom. Now, he might not do the miracles the way we expect him to do it, or in our timing. As I said, I doubt the Israelites were expecting the sea to split into two. But be encouraged. Cry out to God like the Israelites did. It's not necessarily easy. But we're reminded in Psalm 46 that God is our strength and our refuge, a very present help in trouble. I want to encourage you to put your hope and trust in God's ability to be God. The Israelites' hope was rooted in their experience of God. He had done amazing, miraculous things beforehand. And our hope, too, can be rooted in their experience of God, because it's the same God, and in our experience of God in history. So God leads the Israelites through the sea and to safety. Verse 27 says, The Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. Now, I don't want to just gloss over that, but I can't begin to explain or completely understand why there needed to be such destruction for the Israelites to be set free. But what we do know is that it says in verse 4 that God would gain glory for himself over Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians would know that he is God. And throughout the passages, we've heard about the fact that God is going to get glory and people are going to know that he is Lord. He said all along he was going to make himself known. And it's referenced loads of times in the Bible. In Nehemiah 9 verse 10, it said, you made a name for yourself, which remains to this day in reference to what happened at the parting of the sea. And that's still true, isn't it? We still know this story. People still hear this story. Last night, Rob and I were in London at the theatre watching the Prince of Egypt as they retold this story, this story that made God known. So we know of God. We know God that he is a God of miracles who saved his people and completely and utterly set them free. But what do we know of the Israelites? Well, we haven't had time to read it, but in chapter 15, please do read it. It's a beautiful passage. Um, we read that Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And follows is the song that they sang when they arrived on the other side of the sea. And in the first half, they sing about how the Egyptians were defeated. And in the second half, they sing about Israel's deliverance and the deliverance yet to come. And I just wanted to mention it because I think it's really important. It is important that they responded to what had happened. And they responded in song. And they honored God, but they also witnessed to God. Without it, God's victory would not have become known around the world. They were the only people to see it. And it's their telling of this story through song and remembering that has given the world this, this knowledge, this story, this hope. 
This song is clearly important because we read in Revelation 15 that even in heaven, God's people join in singing the song of Moses. Not any old song, but this song of Moses. So what for us? I think this really, if we were encouraged that God is a God of miracles and a God of freedom, then this bit challenges us. Because it challenges us to respond in praise and worship of God. I don't know how you celebrate. Um, It will be different, I'm sure, at different times, in different occasions. Um, It might be through song. It might be through dance. Um, I take after my mother. I sing a lot. Whether I'm celebrating or not, I I sing a lot, as Rob will tell you. Um, But it will look different for each of us. It might be that your way of responding to God is is to come to the wave event at the end of the month, an evening of worship where you can come and really worship God to give him praise and to witness to him. It might be by inviting someone to the Just One event where you can witness and praise God as you bring someone who doesn't yet know God along with you. It might be at work chatting about the stuff that God's doing in your life and giving the glory to him it will look different for each of us. But what is important is that we must respond. So I wonder what your song of praise is right now. What is God doing in your life? What's he been doing? How can you rejoice in that? How can you witness to that and honor God in all that he's doing in you? And how can you sing it out? God performed miracles. He performed a miracle when he parted the sea. He set his people free. God is still performing miracles. And he is still setting his people free. And we must respond in praise. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you that you're a God of miracles and a God of freedom. Please, may we see that more and more in our lives, and may we respond in rejoicing. And Lord, particularly for anyone who's struggling, who feels like they're yet to experience that freedom, please would you meet with them this morning, and please would you set them free. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.